Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Good. We're recording. Okay, Danielle, what's up? How are you feeling tonight? Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. I'm feeling great. How are you? Oh, man, like I'm good. Like I said, you know, got home from the gym, got my workout in. Actually, I did two workouts today. So uh, I'm training for a half marathon. And okay. so I did that at lunchtime. I ran six miles and then I went and got my regular CrossFit workout in. And that's a typical day for me. So now I'm here talking with you, seeing what's up. Nice. Nice. Well, that's pretty intense. So half marathon and CrossFit. Mm, yeah, this past month and a half has been pretty intense for me. My body's almost got a shockwave brought upon it. <laughs> so never been a runner, but this was a, a group of friends want to do a triathlon and I'm the, uh, the marathon leg of it. It's a three person triathlon. So, Oh, Oh, got it. Got it. Well, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. So it's, it's something hard, something challenging, something I wanted to try. And yeah, like you were talking about earlier before we started to do hard things, you grow usually. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. So Exactly. I love that motto. One way to stand out in the crowd. <laughs> so before we, uh, speaking of all that, so before we start going too far, so that listeners know and everyone knows, you were a luxury fitness personal training manager, then you decided to become a life coach, right? Yeah, that's right. So, so what happened? What, what sparked this? So, so I was, um, first I started off as a trainer. And I mean, I'm sure all the trainers out there would agree that Training is so much more than obviously writing programs and and things of that nature. You do really create um, a strong relationship with with your clients, and in doing so, people tend to open up. Maybe sometimes a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of that in in my personal training uh, career, um, and then. I went into management and was managing the personal trainers and coaching them into building their business. Um, And in doing that, again, as a manager, a lot of people will come into your office and want to talk to you about, you know, some personal things and kind of have to help them through that. And I started realizing that (laughs) I was doing a lot more than just managing and more than personal training. But um, I felt a little... um, unethical because I, I didn't have the background to, to, to fully coach. So I went back to school as I was still working as a manager, um, for personal, uh, personal life coaching. And then I did leadership coaching and then, um, master of health coaching. So I, I did a deep dive into all these certifications. I mean, I went for, I think six different certifications all within two years. 
Um, yeah. And then I was just like, man, I like love this stuff. Like, this is great. Um, and I, I just, you know, I kind of, as soon as I launched my website, I went to my manager and I was like, you know what, I think this is it. I think I got to go. And she's like, well, do you have a book of clients? I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, well, how are you going to make it? I'm like, I'll make it. I faith is stronger than proof at this at this point. You know, I just have to go for it and make it happen. And and that's what I did and started working with several different people. I still do personal training on the side, but a lot of it is uh, encompassing with life coaching and, and master mm. health coaching as well. Did you always want to be a personal trainer? No, <laughs> no. Prior to personal oh, training, I was yeah. I was in marketing. So I was actually working for a marketing agency for Pepsi. Um, talk about, uh, job security, right? I was like food service advertisement, <laughs> fast food industry, and then all of a sudden complete 180 to uh, personal training, but same kind of thing in that scenario, I was, you know, working in this advertisement agent agency and then going to school at night for, um, kinesiology, exercise science. And once I got my, my degree, I then decided to, to veer into personal training and then just, you know, just kind of headstrong and went tunnel vision towards the goal. And that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, a little bit going back with me though, that I never went down the personal training outlet just because I always wanted to do more of the uh, strength and conditioning coach side of it, more sports things. And that was like, you know, I went for PE in my bachelor's yeah. and I thought about going to personal training, but I just didn't think that was for me. So, but then I, like I said, I've wanted to go for strength and conditioning until I found out that, oh man, my dogs are acting up, that uh, they work like 16 hour days, right? And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. But I was like, I like working out and I like helping people, but I do, I want to do it for that long, for that yeah. much. But I guess my next question or whatever I wanted to ask you was that, uh, do most people, like, I don't remember a lot of people actually confiding in me and talking about, other things other than like fitness things. Is that kind of what people were doing with you as a personal trainer? No. Oh, no. and that's why. No. I so I, you know, it's funny. Um, so I went to the gym, like, I think this was like two weeks ago and met this gentleman first time. So I, you know, just being friendly, saying hello. And all of a sudden he just started telling me everything about his life. Like, his mental uh, illness and then his physical illnesses and all these things that, he, that he's overcoming and working to to, to fight against. Um, and, you know, I'm just listening and just kind of, you know, validating his emotions and you know, agreeing with the fact that he's going through, through a tough time. And he was just sitting there and he was like, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I just met you. And I'm like, it's cool. I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. I'm like, I appreciate you confiding in me. I'm flattered. Um, and I think, I don't know what it is, but I, my entire family has this kind of ability to, I guess, have people talk to them. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think people just kind of open up. And um, I think partly because, and I think I said this to you earlier, I I am an open book and I don't, you know, tend to hide anything of myself. And um, I think people kind of sense that. So in allowing a little bit of your own vulnerabilities and your own flaws to show, I think people kind of feel more comfortable doing the same in return. And I think that's kind of, it, it disarms people a little bit. 
What's one of those things that, you know, I don't know. A lot, most people have problems. You know, most of the people that I've talked to on here, a common theme is like everyone seems to be de- dealing with some type of problem, some type of thing they can't get out of their own way, but eventually they find ways of doing it. That seems to be the common theme, right? <laughs> and that, you know, when they find somebody <laughs> like yourself, that it's one of those things that, I guess I'm generally speaking too. It's like, ooh, and they maybe they open up about one problem, and then it just all just starts coming out, right? Because they usually don't. People probably don't have somebody just to vent with, you know. And yeah. it's like they just want somebody to listen, even though they can't solve all their problems in one day. It's just that, ooh, you know. Even though you're a personal trainer, it's just nice to get a few things off your chest at the same time, and. And, you know, you're spending like what maybe typically roughly an average an hour with that personal trainer. So. But yeah. like three to maybe even five hours a week, you know, so it's not really? like you're a hairdresser that you're you, you build a stronger relationship with that person, you know? Yeah. Especially when, you know, you're telling them everything, you know, like why you started working out, you know, like, did you get fat shamed? Do you just want to be healthier? Do you just want to, you know, it's a vanity thing, whatever it is. And that you're almost confiding in them without even knowing it in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is a lot of times you find that their, their initial cause to train is not necessarily the real reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so when someone says, um, you know, I, I just broke up with, my ex and I want the revenge body. Sure. All right. Cool. Common, right? Like a lot of people go through that. But so why is that revenge body important to you? And then they'll give you the answer. And then again with another why, right? So they call it the five whys, although you wouldn't necessarily ask it like why five times. So sure. you would you would kind of, you know, peel that onion of the layers of the onion to find out the true reason why that person's actually starting. Right. And I think once you start asking these open-ended questions, it allows for them to speak more openly um, instead of just like that. Yes or no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the great things about this podcast is that, you know, there's open-ended questions, like you said, that it helps me formulate my thoughts on whatever topic rather than just saying no or yes, you know, and I can actually explain why and then like i don't know about the five whys but i can actually give you reasoning or justification and then usually as i'm talking that things start to work out in my head it's like hmm, maybe i didn't really think about it like that and then or you just never really said it out loud before yeah. so, is that really what i wanted though why did i say it like that and yeah, yeah. Then you start to dig deeper from there and then you're like oh wait maybe i am onto something or maybe i didn't really want that or maybe i do want to go quit personal training and just go be a life coach. And, oh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and then, you know, and then it's also giving you the opportunity to perhaps dissect that thought and then maybe see, Hey, am I really interpreting or is my perception accurate right now? Or is there another way that I can look at this? Mm. Right? Because if there is, then like, let's open that door up and see what other ways you can look at something. Right. Yeah. There may, there may be five different ways you can look, look at a situation and then, maybe just by changing your outlook or your perception can, you know, be life changing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, like you just said that example that you want the revenge body after a breakup and it's just like your tunnel vision. That's, you know, you see it in entertainment, society, culture, whatever that it's like, Oh, you go through a breakup. I got to get, you know, back on a high horse and, you know, look good again. And that's why it's only going to mean something for me. But in the end, if you, like you're saying, if you look at, take a minute and self-reflect or be self-aware of that, 
you know, was that relationship, was that really what you were supposed to be in anyway? You know, maybe it was a good re maybe it was a good thing you got out of it. Maybe it was a good thing you got dumped. I mean, it sucks. I know I, you know, I've been dumped and I hate it, but it's one of those things that, well, maybe looking back at it now is probably a good thing. Yeah. And there's always a lesson, right? Sure. Yeah. As long as, long as you're open to learning it, I think that's the other key. When, when someone, you know, going into, let's talk about relationships for a second, but when, when someone goes through a breakup, understanding that, you know, there, there, it takes two to tango. It takes two to break up. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that like self-reflection, maybe someone didn't do right by you, but then, okay. But what was my responsibility to the relationship that maybe I wasn't fulfilling? Right. So there's always two, two sides and then exploring that. What could I have done differently in that relationship to, to have a different outcome so that I can learn and grow and maybe my next relationship, I can show up better and be a better partner. Yeah. I like how you said that. Uh, In Will Smith's book, he puts that, you know, in school you get the lesson and then you have to take the test. Right. And then you find out if you fail or pass, but in life you actually have to test first and then you get the lesson and figure out what you learned or what you what you didn't learn. Yeah. Go from there. And it's like, man, every, and he, once he put it like that in his book, it's like, that makes so much sense. You know? You know, have you ever read the book, um, The Growth Mindset by Carol Duet? I don't think so. Oh, she's great. Um, So she has a couple of TEDx talks and she talks about pass or fail. And um, one of the studies that she had had done was the communication of failure. Right. So instead of saying pass or fail, it's pass or not yet. Ooh. Right. There's a different, right. There's a different tone to that. Once you say not yet, it's like, you're still in the process of becoming a a better person than you were yesterday. You just need a little bit more to get there. So keep it going. So it's more than like mastery orientation. Like you're focusing more so on the process of growth as opposed to the destination of that revenge body right? So you're focusing on bettering yourself and, and being a better partner and being a healthier human, right? Each day doing these little things that get you there. Atomic Habit talks about that as well, right? These little stuff that you do every day. Um, so, so she talks a lot about that and how that also influences, um, you know, children at like, you know, even the age of like elementary school. So it's really interesting study. And that's growth mindset by who? I wrote growth mindset down. The growth mindset by who? Carol Duet. Carol Duet. Okay. Yeah, I think that's how you you pronounce her last name. But if you say growth mindset and Google it, she'll pop up. She's like the queen of it. All right. Uh, But that makes perfect sense. Like if you just say not yet rather than just saying, oh, I've already failed, that, you know, if you already get told you failed, you almost immediately stop whatever you're doing. if you're even trying to grow from a situation and it's like, not only does it just like negative feedback into your brain, but you just start to go down that negative feedback loop. And then you just think, Oh, well, I keep trying. I'm always just going to keep failing. But it's like, if you just spin those words around, like you just said, not yet. It's like, yeah, I haven't got there yet, but I'm working on it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then like, you know, going back to, to what you said about that negative feedback and talking about, you know, negative self-talk, I mean, that's like, you know, what was it? The um, the water experiment with um, the Japanese doctor, Emoto. Oh, 
I, for, I forgot his name, but if you look up water experiment, it'll pop up. It's droplets were frozen um, from different uh, water samples, right? So frozen droplets of water, and then they crystallize it into snowflakes. Okay. And then as they're crystallizing, you are seeing you have two different um, samples, right, from the same water source. This one you're seeing positive words too, and this one you're seeing negative words too. And if you were to look at the images that he shows through the different communication that you have with each of these water droplets, it's crazy. One is fully organized into a beautiful snowflake, the other one's extremely messy, right? So now if you were to take that concept, now this is a little out there, but if you were to take that concept, right, and apply it to negative self-talk, knowing that we are mostly made of water. So like 70%, right? Yeah. So if we're mostly made of water and our voice and our ability to speak negatively to a water droplet has the ability to make it either crystallize in a beautiful format or crystallize in a chaotic, negative, not pretty um, format, then imagine what your own negative self-talk is doing to you internally. Yeah, people don't realize that. They don't realize that, you know, they get stuck in that feedback loop. And I think that's kind of what James Clear talks about in his book, Atomic Habits, and that, you know, just each day by day by day, it just becomes sicker and sicker in their brain. And they don't know. So, all right, so this is a good example. Um, I hope I don't overshare. But so I did a Spartan race this past weekend with one of my friends. And on the way up, it was like an hour and a half away from where I'm at, right? Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, depression and going down these loops and just how you get stuck in your own head about a certain, whatever the issue is, you know, if you want to use a breakup or you get laid off at work or you fail a test that you just get stuck in your own head and you don't know how to get out of your own head. But, but it's one of those things that you're really, he made the point that you're really just not embracing the pain that you're trying to avoid it at all cost. It's like, I hope that, I'm probably butchering this the way he explained it, but it, it made perfect sense at the time that you just embrace it and then you kind of overcome it that way. And yeah, there's, I'm not saying that it's a, it's just that easy just to go embrace the pain, but there's yeah. other things yeah. to it. I, I believe in that. I, I think it's important to feel, right? I think it's important to have those emotions. Um, did I freeze for a second? I felt like it froze. You may have, but I think you're back. <laughs> All right, good. Um, so I think it's important to embrace those emotions, right? You're not going to ever know what a high feels like if you never feel a low, right? Okay. So it's, it's important to go through the grieving process when you do go through a breakup or when you lose someone or something, right? That's important. It's it's part of the healing process. Um, but what's what's scary is, is when you then, again, cycle into... Um, how you're grieving, right? Is it is it a loss or are you blaming yourself for the loss? So that's different, right? Because if you're blaming yourself for the loss, that is not a growth mindset at all, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're sitting there and you're like, I failed, right? Where's the growth in that? I failed. You didn't fail. This just wasn't the right one just yet. There's just a little more growth that needs to come out of this for you to continue. Um, and the crazy thing about negative self-talk is that it actually triggers hormones in your brain and become addictive. So people become addicted to feeling shitty. <laughs> people become addicted to not feeling so great, right? And then all of a sudden they start feeling great and they're like, well, this is not normal. Something bad's going to happen, right? I'm just waiting for something bad to happen because I'm too happy, 
And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, if you're sitting there waiting for something bad to happen, it's going to happen. Just like embrace the now, right? <laughs> just take a moment and just live for right now, which is, um, which is hard for a lot of people to do, right? That level of, of conscious awareness is, is really tough. Is that kind of thing that you track what you're putting out there? So if you're putting out there that negative negativity and expecting something bad to happen, it most likely will happen. Does that kind of make sense? I yeah, it does. I I think it I think it can, right? I think a lot of times because you end up looking for it. Yeah. You know, you end up looking for it. So so it's you you'll find something bad because that's what you're expecting. So you'll find it. Um and then again, you you are in that negative mindset, right? In that victim mentality where, um, you know, life is happening to you, not for you kind of thing. You know, and then, issues in today's times that everyone likes to play that victim mentality card. Well, yeah, because it's easy, right? Yeah, there's, exactly. there's no accountability. I have no accountability to the things that are happening to me. If they just happen to me, it's not my responsibility. I'm just like, what was me? Right. So that's just the easy way to to just accept what it whatever it is that's happening. Um, now, if someone were to, you know, I mean, I'm gonna be crass here, but grow some balls and like say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to take this on like a strong human and and learn from it and grow from it that's a totally different different take right and and then sure. the growth that comes out of that is immeasurable i mean you'll come out of it being a completely different person yeah that's one of the things i've always like i was telling you before i don't know if we're recording it but you know if you do hard things you seem to find out what you're made of and if, even if it's not like i'm not necessarily saying go out there and run half marathon tomorrow if you haven't ran in years but if you keep challenging yourself across the way that eventually start good things start to happen and you're also you know feeding yourself these good positive things and maybe changing the way the brain's thinking and and I, and I guess what i'm getting at is that you know i sometimes when i get on here it seems like when people are going through some shit or whatever that yeah. i kind of feel like i make it easier than what it is right like just saying oh just go do something you know just hey hey stop you know i shouldn't say that i said hey we'll stop putting eating mcdonald's every day and eat something better or you know go for a walk around your block instead of watch four hours of netflix when you get home you know and right. i think i feel like i make things easier than what they are because somebody explained it to me one time that you know i just don't really get what's going on inside a person's head and maybe it's that you know this if you want to say my growth mindset journey or this journey i set myself on that you know i wanted to start doing harder things just because I got too comfortable almost right out of well, through in college. And after I finished college, I, I realized that, Ooh, wait, maybe I'm a loser now. Cause I went back home and started living with mom and pop and all my friends were going on and moving with, uh, or moving to bigger cities and starting their life. And I was like, what the fuck yeah. am I doing? You know, like yeah. I got to do something better. And so I was like, let me continue down this journey. So I was like, if I can't keep sitting in this comfort zone, let me move on and take things as it is. And I guess for me, I thought, that was a pretty easy thing to do just because I knew it would make me better at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's sometimes the tough part, right? I know, I know that you do CrossFit and probably coach on the side, I'm assuming, right? Yep. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think as coaches, it's important for us to just kind of 
understand that everyone has their own journey, right? And their own struggles and everyone's influencers, whether it's environmental, um, you know, social, economic, um, spiritual, whatever it is, it's going to be different than ours, right? And so as coaches, um, it's important for us to remember that if we were to give advice, that our advice is biased based on our experiences, based on our past, based on our limiting beliefs, which, or, or fully beliefs in general, right? Which may not align with what the person in front of you believes in or, or, you know, has experienced. So it could be that like completely mismatch of, but I, I, I was able to do it and I, I did it and it, I, it was hard, but I did it and I got it done. I don't understand why you can't do it. Well, it's, it's probably something else going on with them, right? That maybe you know, you, you unfortunately aren't privy to because they haven't opened up yet, yeah. you know, and that's where, you know, sometimes taking your client out for like a cup of coffee and being like, hey, you know, after after our training, let's go get a shake together and let's just chat and see what's going on. Yeah. You know, that, that might be might be good so that you can understand really what's the barrier from them achieving that. But the other thing that you said, too, about you know, going after it and, and reaching new goals and, and, you know, new heights. I think it's also important for us to kind of lay out like an ABC plan for our clients. Mm. So a meaning like, these are the things that I absolutely can do like full green light. I'm absolutely able to do it. B being the yellow, I'll do it. It's going to be tough. And red is like, there's no freaking way I'm running a half marathon. Hell no. Right. You, you own the green, right? Sure. For like a week or two, you own the A's. And then for a week or two, and then you trickle in, okay, you own these. Let's put in a B. Uh-oh. To do, and then you slowly start trickling in to, to the C's. So it's a slow introduction to the things that they at once point thought was completely unattainable. So it's those baby steps that we guide our clients through that help them get to walking a mile to then running 13. <laughs> Is that kind right. of like when you started your life coaching that uh, you were kind of like what you had in your head that, oh, baby steps, or did you just say, I'm taking a deep dive and we'll see what happens. You know, when you found out that I'm giving this part up that, or do, are you scared? Were you nervous? Like, how's this going to go? Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely petrified. Yeah, no, I, um, so I did a little bit of coaching as I was still working for the, the luxury facility. Yeah. Um, and I was doing it on the side. Um, I had maybe two clients, um, coaching clients and no personal training clients, only the clients that I had at their facility, which I kept there. I didn't want to mess with that. Um, and so, but I was feeling because I was putting so much energy into this company, I wasn't able to take on the energy and build my own my own thing. So as scary as it was, um, I knew that in order for me to fully dedicate my time and an effort, I have to go and do this because that company was my safety net. And mm. that that comfort was just holding me back. It was a safety net. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. but it was also my anchor. So my ship wasn't setting sail. Good point. So I just had to lift that anchor up and just say, listen, like I'm, I have to take the leap and, and try. You know, Travis, uh, Barker from blink 182, the drummer, he, yeah. uh, had kind of, he said it like this one time that he didn't want to have a plan B because he knew if he had a plan B or that safety net that he knew he wouldn't have tried as hard. That he would have just, you know, eventually the first obstacle, first wall he hit, whatever you want to say, he would have just like, okay, back towards that safety net. But I mean, with that said, you know, I kind of, when I started like taking chances or so, like I liked having a safety net because I knew if I failed, if I, if I did fall, fail, whatever, that I would be able to get back up again and keep trying. And then that's how I learned the most is like taking chances and I had to learn this. I was just like, I came out of the womb and just started taking yeah, chances. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I understand his point or his argument that, yeah, if you have a plan B, you'll always just kind of not try as hard. But for me, I feel like I could still try knowing that I had a safety net. It's like, okay, take my L on this one. All right, we'll try a new path and figure it out. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it, and it's going to be different for any, for everyone, right? I mean, what works for you worked for you. So, and then, you know, and it did work for me for a little bit, but man, like with personal training and managing people, that's tough. And that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of energy that you're putting out into, into something and then coming home and still having, you know, trying to have somewhat of a social life, a boyfriend, you know, and, and, and trying to have also a a side hustle, which I'm trying to grow into my, my own business. Um, that, That was just a lot of energy that that was being misplaced. So um, I just kind of had to bite the bullet and do it. And, you know, I think it was funny. My my boyfriend asked me the other day, he's like, do you miss the company at all? And I was like, I can't say I do. Mm. I can't say I do. I'm like, I'm having um, a lot of times when I would be there, like I would you know, I would have the meetings and like do what I had to do. And then whenever I had a little break, I would work on my side business, but I was in company watch. Right. So I, I kind of felt bad. I felt guilty. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I, it, I felt bad working on my own things when I had time to do it during my work hour. Sure. So now I just feel great because this is what I'm doing. I dedicate my time to this and I don't feel remorseful over it. Right. I'm, I'm doing right by me and doing right by my clients. And I'm not being unethical, right, by working on 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 another job while I'm not supposed to be. Uh, so so yeah, I was like, I don't, I miss 
my my trainers. I miss my clients. But I mean, we, they're still friends, you know. I mean, those friendships will always be there. Um, but yeah, like at, as far as the job itself, no, I do not miss it at all. Yeah, I mean, it's something <laughs> something different. It's like a whole new feeling. It's a whole new level to create. You know, your own autonomy, and that you know you are your own boss, and that you know. Yeah. You, you know, work whenever you want to work and do whatever you want to do during those hours. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, and, and you're going back on like those examples we were using earlier, you know, I don't know if people just, if there's an issue in this country that, you know, okay. So for the education system, I was talking with somebody and we were talking about how you're actually told what to think and not really how to think anymore. Mm. And that, and that mentality, that mindset, whatever you want to say, kind of carries along with you whether you go to college or whether you go to or just go straight to work out of that because you're always being told you got to take these classes you got to do this in order to you know be x y and z get this major graduate or whatever then after that you know you're always working for another boss you know again i'm generally speaking that and this pipe 90 percent of this country i don't know whatever there's probably that's a wrong statistic but most people are working for somebody and having to be that person who was just being told what to do day in and day out and they just want life to be like that way for them, you know, yeah. until they can figure yeah. out. Yeah. That takes away the responsibility, yeah. right? That takes like, away your ownership. Yeah. People want it. It's just, it's too easy for, I don't know if it's too easy, but people just want that now rather than just, you know, be told that, Hey, this happens because of X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C rather than just saying that, well, wait a minute, why does that happen? Or why does it have to be done that yeah. way? And then, and I don't know if they just want to keep living their lives like that. And then, you know, get off at five o'clock then go off. Like, you being in academia, do you think it's still like that? Or do you think it's shifting a little bit? Mm, it depends. Uh, it's, I think it is shifting, but it really, but not like a huge number, you know, that, you know, so it, it, where I work, it's a very small school, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a public institution. It's probably a little less than 10,000 students. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you don't have a name with your school, you know, such as, you know, I'm very close to Virginia tech, right. Mm -hmm. you know, if you know where that is, but you know, it's all about football and engineering. So they already have that name of people will just want to go to that school just for football. I mean, that's really most, some students will just go there just because of the football team. Right. And then obviously the school doesn't mind recruiting or not even recruiting, but trying to make sure they get that marketed out there just because, Hey, you know, we're an ACC. Hey, sometimes we do really well. And you know, we <laughs> do these at the games and yeah, I'm at the tunnel or whatever. And but I think it is shifting because in a sense, like very little, like my set said, because we are starting to see these technical colleges come up a little bit because people are starting to think that, you know, at 18, well, maybe I don't want to take out $150,000 in loans and, you know, start out dead in a hole almost. And like, no way I want to get that back. You know, and the frontal lobe doesn't even, you know, you're almost setting yourself up for failure and your frontal lobe doesn't even what form until you're 23 or 24. Yeah. Or yeah. So, you know, and some people are actually starting to think like, well, because I was one of those kids that was like, well, I only went to college because I thought I had to, so I wouldn't be a loser, mm -hmm. you know? And, yeah. I, you know, I went to community college first because I didn't get into all the others because I was an idiot, but <laughs> I only went to community college because I... Oh, you just weren't ready yet. I, yeah, exactly. I wasn't ready yet, but <laughs> I just only went because I thought I had to, and that was the only way to be successful. But I think people are starting to learn that, you know, we're in the skill trades that, you know, like brick masons, welders, electricians, like there's starting to be a need for those people. And like, Oh, you yeah. can almost make as much money as you want to. And so, Oh, well maybe I'll just go down that road. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I, I think I'm seeing, well, you know, I'm in Miami. So everyone here is an entrepreneur, right? Like everyone here is starting their own business. Um, 
but like a lot of people are kind of not looking at college. And I mean, I can't give you a statistic, but I know it's growing. Um, the amount of people not going, choosing to not go to college, sure. you know, because, because they want to, you know, be able to make money some other way. I mean, making money today is a lot. Um, there's more thanks to the internet. There's more avenues to make money. Right. Um, I mean, it may not be as easy as, you know, or like the buying power is, is less, but the ability to, to come up with different revenues of income are, are greater now than they ever have been sure. because of, you know, internet and, all the technology is is happening for that. So, um, yeah, no, I I think that a lot of people are not going to to opt for college, and I think it's becoming less and less important. Honestly, yeah. um, with a lot of the companies, if you show up and you have like this amazing technical skill, as I mean, you see engineers and pro programming or coders that you know didn't really get education from a school. Like I'm I'm working with a company now and a lot of their engineers were self-taught. Sure. You know? Um I know what you mean. Like yeah. you know, like like I said earlier, you know, I went and got my bachelor's in PE, got my master's in sports management because that's what I thought the road I wanted to go down on is and now I work in IT, which you know, I never would have saw that coming. And I don't know, I guess I kind of fell into it. But to your point, like you said that, you know, with the internet, anybody can do anything they want to do as long as they don't mind putting in the ground with a couple hours to, you know, go through YouTube university, read a couple articles, you know, find a podcast on something, take some deep dives, try some shit out, see what works and what doesn't work. And, and you know, what's cool about that is, is that people are able to really find their passion and, and go deep. Right. Cause a lot of times people go to school. And then I remember I had chemistry class and my professor was foreign and had a really heavy accent and it was my first chemistry class and I couldn't understand a thing he was saying. And I was like, you know what, this is just not for me. I'm I'm just not going to do this. Um, but had I, you know, just focused on the things that I was really interested at the time to focus on, I would have been a lot more motivated. Right. And, yeah. and that passion brews more excitement and more curiosity and it'll keep you going. And I think that now people have the ability to do that. If something excites you, go for it and explore it and, be a you know pro at it and and excel at that if that's what you want to do because if you love it chances are you're going to succeed because you enjoy doing it but there's a lot of people who like to rain on people's parades and just you know again going back to the education ex or part of it that do you know i guess you i'm going to assume do you know who aaron Rodgers is i actually don't quarterback for green bay <laughs> please i'm brazilian i don't <laughs> okay what is, what is that? Right. Well, that doesn't matter that doesn't matter that's not <laughs> That's not the point. But the point is that I was listening to him on the podcast today when I was running and that, you know, he was asked at a young age, you know, what do you, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And like, he's, you know, he had a pipe dream. He said, uh, I'm going to be an NFL quarterback or play in the NFL, whatever he says. Mm -hmm. And like his guidance counselor or teacher, whatever, it's like, no, you're, you're nobody, you're not doing that. You don't have a chance. You know, and he was immediately just shot down. And like those dreams that when people, you know, how many kids or how many students, whatever you want to say that when they say stuff like that, like, oh, I do want to be an astronaut or, you know, I don't know, I want to go be president or whatever you want to do. Like people are like, oh, well, that's probably not going to happen for you because what are the chances of that, you know? Yeah. And they yeah. just get shut down and then they just, you know, just, they're like, well, you know, they had that first sense of failing. And then, you know, like Aaron Rodgers obviously overcome it because he used that as motivation, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, I'll show you, bro. No, no worries. But yeah, yeah. people are just like, uh, 
all right, just go work in a factory. It's like everybody else. I mean, that's what you're meant to do. Yeah. This is dream crushers out there. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and I mean, to have counselors like that, I had, uh, there was a counselor at my high school that kind of did the same thing to my sister. And I mean, now she's an amazing real estate agent out in Colorado. If anyone needs one, <laughs> um, but um, she's doing amazing. She went to college, you know, she did great. Um, but they were saying like, don't even bother applying. And she was like, what? They're like, don't, you're not gonna, you're not going to get into college. Cause she's also dyslexic. Mm. So they were just like, you're not going to get in. And I mean, she did it and she put in all the work and, you know, was that grit. She stuck with it. That's what you, you got to have. And this, I think people like that grit, just like you said, you said that very well. Like, so most people don't have that, you know, that first sign of trouble, they just start running and just take the the road that they. Then I'm curious, is it because they don't have it or is it because they're, they're applying it in somewhere in something that's not really authentic to them? Hmm. You know, because I think if you find something that you truly love and are passionate about, I think it's easier to to find that that willpower. But do you think most people can do you actually find things they love and have a passion for? Do I think people can't find what they love? Is that what you're asking? Can or can't. I mean, all right, so I that makes perfect sense on what you said because I don't know how many people actually find what they're passionate about. You know, like those stupid conversations, you know, I'm 36, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the gym, sometimes we're talking about with, if college students are working out and like they're talking, well, what do you want to be when you grow up and stuff? And they automatically know, right? Yeah. And, you know, people with good careers down at the gym or whatever, they say, you know, there's jokes like, oh, well, you know, I'm 54 and I still don't know what I want to do with my life, you know? And it's just like, yeah. you, you found something, right? I mean, you find a passion and it's a matter of, but you know, did you really but is it a passion or did know. they find something that they're just naturally good at doing and then they're just going with it? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's their passion. Well, I think it's I mean, that's what happened to me because, you know, I found something and I just went with it. You know, when I fresh out of when I got my master's degree, I just took my first job that I got in academia. And I was like, whatever, I'll just do it. I needed a job. I didn't care. Yeah. And I mean, did I have a passion for it? No, it was running the recreation center on the campus which is just bowling and billiards and stuff which i mean that's cool that's fine but i don't really care about bowling and billiards i mean i'm not knocking it it's just not my thing and so but i was like i knew that like hey this is not where i want to be and i gotta go do something else about it so yeah but let me ask you this if you were making like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year working that job would you be like oh i gotta go and that's a good point. Cause I always thought about stuff like that. And you know, I've really never wanted to set myself up and get trapped. You know, people start making that type of money. It's all about like success, success, success and status quo. I bought the big house. I got the, that new sweet Tesla cyber truck in my, in my driveway. It's like, Oh, look how good I'm doing. But then, yeah. you know, what if that money goes away one day and then it's like, Oh, you're trapped. I'm saying, were you just buying that stuff just because you thought you had to, to be successful to all your friends or did you really like that stuff? And so, but it's different. I mean, like if, if, but if I was having to feed my family on that or whatever, yeah, I would definitely do it. But I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like a lot of you're talking about that gentleman that was at the gym saying, well, I still don't even know what I want to do. Right. So chances are he's just making really good money. He's really good at what he does. He's making a great income. Um, but he's potentially maybe not feeling 100% fulfilled in his job. And that's okay. It's just, are you willing to explore it? Are you willing to explore what would give you the most fulfillment? 
And then can you do that as like, you know, maybe like a side hustle or, or, you know, whatnot, because, you know, I, th- I think that could potentially build a little more satisfaction in life. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess our morals and values change over time, right? That. Yeah. A hundred percent. So that you start. Okay. You never, all right. So you take a job of being a, um, an engineer, I guess that's what I said earlier. Right. And mm-hmm. you never really cared about engineering, but you take the job and you start doing it. And that, you know, one day you said that, hey, now after 10 years, I'm going to quit and start my side hustle for woodworking or whatever. But then you notice that, you know, you're feeding your family and your kids and that you're able to give them a better life than what you had and stuff like that. So your values change. It's like, well, you know what? I don't, you know, I don't really care about the woodworking thing anymore. I just want to see my family do well. And so your morals and values change. I was like, oh, I'll just keep doing it along the way and I'm good. And I stay happy with that rather than just chasing your own dream. Well, right. Well, and dreams can change. Dreams change, right? I mean, just as your values change. So, you know, at one point, if if your passion was woodworking and, and doing all that, all of a sudden you find your beautiful partner and you have children and you're just like, wow, all I want to do is care for these humans. And, you know, seeing them smile is everything to me. So that's what's giving me the most fulfillment, not woodworking, although that's fun too. But like, I just want to see my family smile and be happy. Right. So, so of course that's going to change, but that's, that's the beauty of it. I think our, our values are ever, I mean, think about you at 20. God, I mean, if if I had the same values that I had at 20, I, I'd be in big trouble. I'm right there with you. (laughs) I would be in so much trouble. yeah. So, I mean, you absolutely change, you evolve as a human, I think. And, you know, and I, that's, what's beautiful, right? I mean, a lot of times when you meet people that you haven't seen since you graduated college, I'm sure they're like, man, you have changed. You are a totally different person. You're like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's well, imagine that's if funny. I were exactly the same, that oh, would be horrible. Yeah, if I was the same idiot back in college, like, you know, as I just kind of touched on earlier that I was always the guy just like, waiting for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What are we doing tonight? Where are we going? Like, where's the party at? Like, I didn't care. And that's what, after college, I was done. You know, like everyone else planned ahead and did stuff and started applying for jobs. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So, but I mean, I regret that, but also that I guess I am thankful for it because it kind of, you know, gave me a kick in the ass and just said, hey, dude, you got to start doing something here if you want to start. But why why do you regret it? Well, because... Like I said, I regret it, but I kind of don't at the same time. But part of me is just like, you know, I, sh- I should have been more aware that, you know, instead of, you know, just waiting for Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, I should have been just thinking, hey, I'm actually graduating in three months. Maybe I should start applying for jobs or maybe I should start figuring out what my next move is rather than just living for tomorrow and the day after, you know? Yeah, but you, Yeah, but if you were to look at it in a different way and think of it like, you had so many experiences during those weekends mm. that you could have only done at that age. Sure. If you would do that now, you, you probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little tough. But, you know, you had those experiences at that age. That's the only time you would have been able to do it. Mm. And, and you've exposed yourself to things that maybe were a little scary, but you've seen it, right? I guess and, I'm thinking that I could have done both at the same time because it feels like other people were doing that too. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, but 
again, you know, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. I'm not the same person I was 15 years ago. And yeah. so part of it that I do regret it, but I don't because it gave, gave me that extra little boost to say like, okay, we got to start making changes. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I agree though. I mean, best times of my life for sure. You know I mean? We still, when you, we get together, we always reminisce like on nostalgia on the good old days. And yeah, yeah. Th those are always fun. Yeah. And, and here's a good point. I forgot, had a friend talking about this, that it, with nostalgia, that people always remember the good times and not really remember anything bad. Does that kind of make sense? Like, the yeah, I think, I, I think for the most part, I mean, I think, I mean, if you were to add trauma to that, I think that'd be a little different, right? Um, I agree. Yeah. So I think de depending on the person's history, if someone has had a very traumatic history or, you know, constantly putting themselves in situations that were less than favorable, mm -hmm. um, I probably think they disagree with that. But um, I I do think that uh, I as humans, we tend, even though I like that you think and remember all the all the great things because I, I think that's beautiful but I think also as humans we also tend to really focus on the negative because it's a defense mechanism sure right sure. so so that's our like I'll remember that because I know if I do that again this is a possible outcome and I just want to avoid that so so the negative is always kind of like that you know prime yeah, but yeah, very primal. That's like how our brains are like very um, survival instinct, you know, like going back to, you know, taking your leap of faith or trying to or being a life coach that it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't do this, Danielle, that maybe we should just stay in a safe zone and cause this could go really bad for us, you know, but it's one yeah, of the, I've had people tell me that. Yeah, you know, I've always been yeah. stuff like that. And that was part of, you know, that journey that I was, I was talking about earlier that, you know, I was one of those things I get start a job and I just keep going down that road and I don't really ask questions. I just keep going with the, the momentum and then five years go by, 10 years go by. And then you're like, shit, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know, like literally when I got my first full-time job in academia, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be here for five years. Right. Yeah. yeah. Be done. I'll be out of here. And to, and to my defense that, you know, I was applying for other jobs, but you know, it was always second best in those jobs. But then, but I was like, all right, well, a couple more years. And like now I've been here 10 plus years now. I was like, shit, where'd time go? <laughs> you know, I didn't, that was not my plan, but you know, not that I'm trapped or anything. I mean, but. But is it working for you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's working very well. And so what makes it, what makes it set in stone that you have to leave? Cause all right, I don't have to leave, but here's the thing that we're talking about brains and shit like that. It's like comparison is a thief of joy. Right. And it's so easy to like, you know, start comparing yourself to look at other or like how other people are living, you know? And then you're like, shit, I could be in Nashville. Oh shit. I could be in Montana on a ranch. And, yeah. and like, and maybe, and maybe that's. Really you know, a lot of those people are saying shit, maybe I could do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. See, see, that's yeah. why I started this. Right. Yeah. One of the reasons. And I was like, I'll take a chance, but it's one of those things that, like I said, comparisons a thief of joy. And when I start doing that, it's got put a red stop sign up in my head. It's like, Hey dude, what are you doing, man? You know, you're, this is not getting you anywhere. You know, like we we're talking about there's negative feedback loops. Yeah. Come on, dude, you're better than this. Right. Yeah. Stop it. So yeah. I, think, I think it's always, I think comparison to yourself is good. Mm. Um, compare, compare, so comparing to others. And I learned that when, um, so I, I competed in figure like my previous life. Nice. And I remember stepping on stage and 
I was doing both natural and, um, well, not natural, although they all say they are, um, organizations. Um, but I was getting blood tested for this one, right? So I remember going into Arnold, the Arnold uh, bodybuilding show, yeah, standing on stage and just looking at, at all these women. And I was like, what am I doing here? I'm like, I totally do not belong. Um, but, you know, whatever. I just went and had fun with it. I ended up placing seven out of 57, which I was totally stoked oh. about. Um, but I remember um, the next competition or show that I went to, I was like, I just want to look because if I start comparing myself to all these girls on stage, I mean, they're all phenomenal. Right. So my competition is just me. Like, I just need to make sure that I bring the best package of me to that stage. So let me do a progress picture of me then and then me now and just focus on what I'm improving for myself. And then I learned that through fitness and trying to apply that in, in my career, in my, you know, personal growth and, and in life in general, I think is, is probably the best skill that I've learned through that bodybuilding lifestyle. It's just learning to compare yourself only to yourself. Was that part of imposter syndrome? Do you think? Do you know? You know what no, that dude, is? I totally did not belong in that stage. I totally did not belong. I mean, in that people stage. thought you did if you got seven out of fifty-seven. Well, and here's the thing: I, I, spoke, them, to, <laughs> I spoke to um, the judges because I was I was in shock when they called me. I was like, "What, really?" Um, but because I had, I was already like, "Oh yeah, I definitely didn't make it." So when I was going on stage for the night show, where you actually like go and have fun and like you know do your skit. Um, I was just having a blast. I just went on stage. I was having fun. I was like talking to the crowd and just like doing whatever. And they were like, your presence just won everyone. Love and I was like, oh, sweet. I'm like, I didn't even realize you guys were, were, were measuring that, but okay. <laughs> um, so, so I think it was just like that feeling of just go with it. Just like have fun. Also like, you know, did me good. And like, you know. I do. I love it. Like, yeah, have a good time with it. I mean, that's the best thing is just to, you know, release all those demons and stop, you know, like you said, comparing, and just go with it, you know? Like, yeah. I was just like, the best yeah. action. Even if you don't plan it that way, just see what happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just go with it. Just have fun. See what happens. Um, yeah. And that's always the, the, the fun um, outlook, right? It also is the one that could probably get you in a little bit of trouble, but, um, but, you know, trouble sometimes is fun too. Yeah. You gotta go you know, to that. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll learn. <laughs> we'll we'll learn from our mistakes. So, uh, Daniel, I hate to do this, but uh, we gotta wrap this up on that right there. All right. Well, sounds um, good. If people want to find you, if you want to plug anything, all that good stuff, tell them. Uh, how to yeah. Do so, um, you can always go on my website. It's www.coachdam.com, and um, my email is Danielle or Danielli at coachdam.com. So well, thanks for yeah. doing this. You're a badass person, man. I wish I want to keep talking to you, but I gotta wrap this up. So oh, I, I loved it. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. We're out of here, folks. See ya.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 